Hi, this is Walford Kaufman, the pastor of Southside Baptist Church of Gaffney, South Carolina, and this is our teaching time. This is what I usually do on Wednesday nights, but I do record this ahead of time. And we're looking at the book of Romans. And so uh, this study, this time, is in Romans, the fourth chapter. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 25. Romans 4, 9 through 25. So we're dealing with this faith and works. This is this battle that's going on. And you may ask, what is the big deal about faith and works? Why is there such a battle? Now think about it. Probably the number one reason, if Satan can get us confused, if he can just get us offline just a little bit, uh, that we take our eyes off of what Jesus has done, he's got us right where he wants us to be. I don't know if you've been on an airplane any time lately, but you know, as you get on there, there's a flight attendants and they stand there and they give those instructions and they always ask you to look for the nearest exit. In case there is an accident and you need to get off that plane, you need to get to the nearest exit. And so you need to concentrate on that one exit that you need to go out. Think about it. There is only one way to God, and that's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But if, if Satan can come in here and say, well, you know, you don't have to really trust Jesus. You can work your way to heaven. See, he's got us messed up. Maybe not only are we messed up, but being able to share with other people about Jesus Christ. And so that's why this is so important. Let's pray as we begin this study. Heavenly Father, as we journey into your precious word, let it teach us, let it reach into our heart and make a difference that we can share with others. Thank you for personal Bible study, but thank you most of all that we take this precious word and share with others. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at verses 9 through 12 first. And so there in Romans 4 verse 9, if this blessedness only for the uncircumcised or also for the uncircumcised. We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstance was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is also the father of the uncircumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. And so we see several things in here. And do remember uh, this battle that we're having here with Paul and, uh, and this imaginary um, you know, objector. There's this imaginary dialogue going on. Paul's using this to teach. And so what he is having this battle here, okay, Abraham, uh, you know, he was right with God. Uh, you know, he trusted God. That's what made him right. But that big, that exception there, he was still circumcised. He was still circumcised. Yes, circumcision was a very important issue with the Jews. That if you were a Gentile and you came over to the Jewish faith, there was three things that you had to do. 
three things that you were obligated to do. One, you had to be baptized. Second, you had to make a sacrifice. And the third thing, as a male, you had to be circumcised. Three things. Baptism, sacrifice, circumcision, and all that. And so, yes, Abraham was circumcised. But here's the key. It was 14 years after he had made a decision to follow God. 14 years later, after receiving this call from God and being obedient in faith, that where he started his relationship with God. So Paul was getting a message across to the Jews that circumcision is not the entry point, not the beginning of that relationship. That's just like I've had children especially, and sometimes some adults, but mostly children who come to me and they want to be baptized. And I say, why do you want to be baptized? Well, that's because my friend was baptized. That's what you need to do to join the church and stuff. I said, baptism comes after making a personal decision to trust Jesus. So this circumcision, see, uh, circumcision here was a sign and a seal, and it said there in the scripture, of what had already happened in Abraham's life. So Abraham is not the father of those who've been circumcised. Not at all. He is the father of those who've made the same act of faith as he did. See, they, they kept saying, well, he was circumcised, so we're his Jews, we're his uh, followers, we're, you know, we're all right with God. No, that's not all it. See, the real Jew is the man who trusts God like Abraham did. No matter the race, no matter what nation you come from, if you are walking in faith, you are follower of Abraham. And so that's what he's trying to get across. So there's a flip side to this. Think about this, a flip side. A man could be circumcised. Uh, he could be of the lineage of the Jewish faith. You know, as I go back and look at my ancestors, I'm of the Jewish faith. Did you know that? I mean, you go back to great-great-grandfathers. I am a Jew from that. But see, it does not have faith in God then uh, I cannot really truly be a descendant of Abraham. See, that's what it takes. Not circumcision, not a physical act. It is a spiritual act of trusting God. That's what makes me a descendant of Abraham. And so those, these few verses that we have here, verses 9 through 12, it shattered all Jewish thought. Uh, I just thought about, we had bought some glass to put on a communion table. And uh, I remember walking out of the sanctuary one day as some uh, people were moving the furniture for something was going to happen in church. And I remember hearing that glass shatter. It was one of the awful, most awful sounds. Thank goodness nobody was hurt. But just think of these Jews have put all their faith in a physical act, works, and and Paul just breaks all that. He breaks all that. But I want you to think about, what about us evangelical Christians? You know, we attended Sunday school. We've been to vacation Bible school. We got baptized. I mean, so if we're a Baptist or a Methodist or Presbyterian or Lutheran, then we're all okay, right? No. 
You can put all the labels that you want on us. You can put all these works that we've done uh, down on our spiritual resume. But it's not that. It is having faith in God. Paul lays it all out. Here's the truth. It is only through God's grace. Only through God's grace. That's what's so important. So now let's look at verses 13 through 17. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless. Because the law brings wrath and then where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith. So it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not, were not. And so what we see here, God promised Abraham three things. God promised Abraham three things. The land, be a seed nation. In other words, birthing a bunch of children. You know, it starts with that first child. And then blessings. So we have land, seeding a nation, and blessings. And see, the Jews were still having a hard time. Righteousness through faith? I don't have to desert, uh, earn it somehow by physical things and all this. And so Paul was trying to tell them, watch out, brothers. Watch out, brothers. You, you, you're my Jewish brothers, but be careful. Your attitude about works was completely destroying the promise that God had given Abraham completely destroying that. Think about it. If, if what they were doing, they were really nullifying Abraham as their father. Because Abraham believed in, you know, here it is, righteousness through faith in God. They were saying, no, 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 you got to do this physical part. That's not what got uh, Abraham straight with God, is trusting in him, having faith in, in God. And so how did Abraham respond? How did he respond? He believed, but I have to admit, not perfectly. He was not a perfect man. Remember, there was only one perfect man that has ever walked upon this earth, and his name is Jesus. So he, how did Abraham respond? He believed, but not perfectly, and he became an example, a great example, but not perfectly, because he was not perfect. That's why we have Jews and we have Muslims and we have Christians who all look to Abraham as a great leader. And so now as you look at this, I know this sounds strange, so please hear me out. When you really look at this, Paul actually uh, thought, agreed, there was two ways to get to heaven. Now I know somebody said, that. oh, that's heretic, uh, heretic, you're a heretic of saying something like that. But no, listen carefully. Paul did believe in human work. 
that you could earn your way to heaven if you worked perfectly. Did you hear that? Uh, that the trouble is no one can do it perfect. No one. So yes, works. If you're going to trust in works, realize you've got to do it to the very end perfectly. And so that was a losing effort. And Paul knew that was a losing effort. So yes, technically, he knew there was only one way. And that's dependence on divine grace. Grace built on perfectness. Not our perfectness. Not ours. On the perfectness of Jesus Christ. Isn't that great to know that? That grace built upon the perfectness of Jesus, the Son of God, who, yes, fully, fully God and fully man, who walked upon this earth and lived a perfect life and died a perfect life. Yes, He had our sins upon Him, but He was perfect. So grace built upon the one who is perfect. So yes, uh, Paul knew the way of works could not be done only through Jesus Christ. And so the trouble with the law, you see there in verse 13, the law tells us, the law tells us uh, the problem. The law pinpoints the problem right there, but it does not give us the cure. It does not give us the cure. And so let's be reminded of that. Let's look at verses 18 through 25 at this time. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. That is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us, us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Boy, that's getting very personal, isn't it? Think about that, all that's going on. So Abraham believed in God who calls the dead into life. God can bring into things, to, into being that never existed. Just think, God looked out and what he created out of nothing. And that's what was going on here. So how did Abraham live out his faith? I'm just going to share a few things with you. How did Abraham live out his faith? He overcame human weaknesses. He was a human. He made all kind of mistakes. And so he overcame periods of doubt. It is okay to doubt. Don't stay in doubt, but it's okay to doubt. Some of the greatest followers of God, men and women who walk with God, they doubted at times. It's okay. Just don't stay in that doubt. 
See, Abraham also overcame his acts of stupidness. He was stupid at times. He, he, what did he do with his wife? Think about that. In other situations that he did, he made mistakes and all, but he, he believed, though he never saw. He never saw. He never returned home. Think about it. Abraham, when God said, go, I've got a land for you. He, he didn't see the land. He didn't even see the map of the land. He just took off. And so we see that he never returned home. He remained a stranger. He remained a wanderer for the rest of his life. And just think about this. This beautiful scripture that we just had talking about the age of Abraham and, and Sarah's womb was also dead. Think about this. How many times did Abraham and Sarah look at their own bodies and just started laughing? Hmm? They looked at their friends that were the same age and they laughed too. See, what God can do, God can use us. You might be feeling, now I'm not talking about having babies. Uh, if that's God's will, He'll do it. But I'm talking about other things in your life that you're giving up on. It may not just be physical, maybe other things in your life. You're struggling, you're giving up. But guess what? God can still use you. When it looks empty, when it looks hard, when it looks like it can never be done, God can still do a great thing in you. Claim that today. So Abraham took God at his word beyond all belief, beyond all hope of fulfillment. When everybody else had given up, when everybody else could have given up, Abraham and Sarah. Think about that. But see, Paul knew uh, what the Jews knew. I mean, you know, he had that background. He had that training. And so he knew what they were saying in their hearts. You know, there was an old saying that the Jewish rabbis had. And it's interesting to think if they still have these, but what the rabbis would say, what is written of Abraham is written also of children, of his children. So let me read that again, make sure I'm correct. What is written of Abraham is written also of his children. So do you see a problem with that remark? Written also of his children? Folks, it has to be faith. It also has to be personal faith. Just cause I can say I am a descendant of Abraham. Abraham made that decision. I personally have to make that decision. You personally have to make that decision. So make sure it's a personal faith. Not a faith in what your parents did. Not a faith in what your grandparents. No matter how good they might have been. It's what you have done in trusting Jesus Christ. So how can we be like Abraham? How can we be like Abraham? Well, believe in a salvation we cannot see. Believe that Jesus can save you today. It doesn't have to be in a contract. Well, we do have a contract. It's right here. It's already signed in blood. But I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, believe in a salvation we cannot see. Believe in a Savior we cannot see. Jesus that can come and live in us and we feel His presence, but we may not be able to see Him right now. No, we can't see Him right now. 
but we can still believe in Him. Believe in a heaven we cannot see. I mean, we try to dress it up. I mean, those rivers and those streets and those mansions and all this. But see, we can't see it yet, but we can still believe. And then last, live in a land that we may can see. I've got three windows in this room and I can look out and see the land. But see, when I look at this land, I need to realize this is not my home. This earth is not my home. My home is already prepared for me in heaven. So those are some things that you can be like Abraham. A salvation you cannot see, a savior you cannot see, a heaven you cannot see, but a land, yeah, I can see, but this is not home. That makes you an Abraham, trusting God through all this. What a wonderful study is it teaches us that I love that he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. We are made right. We are justified because of what Jesus has done, trusting Him today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You. Thank You for sending Your Son Jesus down that cross for our sins. Let us realize today it's not our goodness, it's not our sweetness, it's not our perfection, which we never will have is trusting in you, Lord. Today we come confessing our sins and rejoicing in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, may the Lord bless you. You live for him and realize you're not perfect, but aren't you glad there's one that is perfect that saves us today?